Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. That was degraved with compulsory bloodletting. That's off of their new EP, Whispered Morbidity. It is out today, January 20th, on Gurgling Gore Records. Formerly a two-piece, they are back with two more members based out of Seattle, Washington. And they've got these new crushing four songs releasing again today on Gurgling Gore Records. Go buy it, pick it up. It'll be available at 3 p.m., I believe, exactly, East Coast time. It'll go quick because Gurgling Gore Records does it like that. And if you're a fan of gore-obsessed old-school death metal, there's a lot there for you. Why is that relevant? Because today, on this episode of the podcast, I'm talking to Vomitus, the man behind Gurgling Gore Records and the gruesome one-man death metal band, Seep. We'll go over how both the band and label came about and touch on his latest released Hymns to the Gore, and what's coming next. But first, Hot Zone. Check it! Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family, make friends till they bury all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out, we be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out, we be getting it in! Where you getting it out? So I was talking to a buddy the other day and I had to make note of my uh, increasing lack of concern. It's a little startling. Not a, not, it's not an overall lack of concern. It's just a lack of concern of the things that uh, I don't feel like being burdened by anymore. I don't know if I'm uh, at the comfortable space that I should be able to do this or should be doing it, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm probably gonna have to rein it in a bit, but uh, you know, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of how would I describe it? It's a lot of or what, you know. You got to do this. Why? Why do I got to do that? Who cares? You're gonna. This will be the consequences. That's fine. Or I'm calling your bluff. I don't think that's the truth. And uh, let's find out. Go ahead. I'm cool with losing. That's the thing. I think I've gotten comfortable with that. There's no ego anymore. That's not true. There's just no ego in uh, in this particular field. What am I talking about? Am I being extremely vague on purpose? No, it's just, it's that vague. I don't really know what it means. I just know lately I'm like, uh, or what, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? And, uh, I feel like this is a thing that eventually happens with, uh, old people. Like, I feel like you, that's how you end up with naked guys in the, the locker room at the gym. What do they care? What are you going to do? Um, what do, I don't care what you think of my penis, you know, that's that type of thing. And I'm not there yet, you know, but, uh, but I can, I can see at this rate, the rate I'm going, I'm going to get there a little too quick, I think. I'm a little concerned about that. My rapid rate in, uh, in uh, rapid rate of decline in uh, caring, being concerned with things that don't concern me, right? Because I still apply the proper amount of care and concern to the things that matter, right, to me. It's just that list of things that matter is getting smaller. And who knows what will be on it by the time I'm 60. and begging to retire any minute. Why don't, why doesn't everybody retire as soon as they can? I mean, I'm sure everybody has their reasons, but man, I just cannot wait to retire. I'll do it now. If you let me, I'll do it right now. What am I going to do all day? I don't care. Whatever, anything, nothing. We'll figure it out. You know, I'm not concerned about that. You understand what I'm saying? I'm also not concerned with whether you understand this or not, you know, this is just, uh, as usual in the beginning of uh, getting it out podcast, it's my, my little, uh, therapy session. So 
there you, there you have it. I also want to let you know that the, the Philadelphia 76ers are doing great on their West Coast road trip. I don't get to watch anything anymore. I feel like I haven't watched a basketball game in a million years, but every morning I wake up to a win. That's really nice. Uh, pretty comfortable wins lately. Just grabbed another one from Portland, put down the Clippers, put down the Lakers, come home boys, and let's lose some home games. Okay. Joel Embiid not a starter in the All-Star game presently? I know it's a little bit of an argument. What do you do? You have Tatum, Durant, Giannis all having great seasons. You can only have three of those four in the front court. I don't know. You know, I get it. But at the same time, why is my man always getting screwed? Why is he always second place? You know, second team All-NBA like every year recently. Second in MVP voting like every year. But that really goes with uh, the the sports figures that I've always liked. Second place, always second place, never first until, of course, the Eagles won that Super Bowl, which they are on the precipice of doing. I've decided I'm going full confidence with the Philadelphia Eagles in this playoff run. They get the Giants this weekend. Totally confident that they will win that. And I'm totally confident that they will demolish the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC in the NFC championship game. Why do I really think the Cowboys are going to beat the Niners? I don't know. I don't really have any feeling about that. I just want it to be the Cowboys and I want it to be a total ass whooping. And then I don't care about the Super Bowl. They can lose that. If they, if they can beat the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC championship game, that is the Super Bowl. That is the most important game of my life. If I'm being honest, I am missing a little bit the last few years where I didn't really care about the Eagles. Cause I was still riding the high off of that Super Bowl win. And I'm, Kind of concerned that we're going to end up back in that uh, early 2000s era where they're really good, but not good enough. And it's just it becomes that becomes burdensome. I need to I need to let go of that. You need to, you know, lean on that Super Bowl victory and uh, let go of that. But hey, guys, I'm sorry. I like sports. I'm going to continue to like them and I'm going to continue to talk about them on the podcast. But instead of going on more about that, let's talk about seep let's talk about gurgling gore records let's talk to the man vomitus but first let's play a track from him to the gore let's go with the first song on the record morbidly obese and that my conversation with vomitus this program is extremely graphic and it's intended to be so <laughs> Oh, 
So, um, I think the, I think the best place to start is, uh, how did you land on the name Vomitus? Uh, well, I, I used to do like black metal shit like 10, 15 years ago. And that was the pseudonym I took then. So then when I started seep, I'm like, well, I don't want to use my real name because I have, I have kids and I've got a career and stuff. And I didn't want my name attached to like the gross, gross music, gross lyrics. So I was like, I gotta have a pseudonym. I'm happy I did it. I wouldn't want anybody to like Google my name and that and seep be the first thing that popped up, you know, <laughs> especially like I said, kids, parents like, Oh, let's, let's just look up your friend's dad on Google. Oh my God. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, exactly. I, I understand completely. What do, what do your, what do your kids think of seep? Uh, they're just like, whatever, like, uh, my, my, my wife's not here tonight. So I was like, honey, uh, my daughter, I'm like, you're going to have to put your brother to bed tonight. Cause I'm doing an interview for this podcast and there's just, just like, whatever, like it's just normal. Yeah. 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 yeah she I did tell it. me uh, my, my daughter's a teenager and she told me that she has some new friend and she's like, she's really into metal. Her favorite band's cannibal corpse. And I'm like, <laughs> You're 13. You can't be listening to Cannibal Corpse. What the <laughs> hell's going on? <laughs> Turn into an old dude. But where did uh? So where where did it all begin for you? Because obviously we don't. You don't start with a uh, gory death metal. You know, there's some there's some stepping stones. So like, what got you into extreme music or heavy music at all? Uh, I I grew up religious. I grew up mm-hmm. uh, going to church like five, six, seven times a week. My parents were really into it. So music was a big part of that. You know, you, you got music every Sunday and, and I always kind of like naturally gravitated towards like the minor keys and stuff. And I always wanted to play guitar. So I picked up guitar and I started out with like Christian music, Christian rock. And then, you know, like 12, 13, I got a, I would get those BMG catalogs in the mail where you pick like 12 yeah, CDs, you know? That's that that exact one is BMG for me, not even Columbia House. BMG, oh, BMG at, for me too. If you look at my CD collection, it uh, all the old older stuff is going to have that BMG bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my parents were like, "Hey, if it's in the Christian section, you can you can get it." And so yeah. I got like Living Sacrifice and like a bunch of old like Christian death metal bands, but it was really Living Sacrifice where I was like, "Holy crap! What is this? This is amazing." <laughs> And it was just spiraled down from there. That's funny. And uh, it's a funny reference too, because I remember when I was younger, I don't know. I, I knew knew of the bands, but I went to, there's a, the area I live in, Lancaster, Pennsylvania is really well known for Christian everything, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, one of the biggest metalcore bands ever right now is August Burns Red, literally in the, in this neighborhood. But anyway, that's not what I was getting to. The 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 area just has always had like these Christian music festivals. One is called Purple Door, and I went to one one year. I th- an old friend, an old neighbor, called me up who was like, you know, went to the Christian school, and he's like, "Do you want to go see POD?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." I've, I've so, seen him a few times. <laughs> yeah, so I went. So I, I so have I. So I went to see him, and uh, it was it was Purple Door Festival, but on that show was also like Zayo and Living Sacrifice and. I forget what a project 86, you know, like all the, oh, yeah. all the Christian nail bands. bands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like living sacrifice is one that always like transcended into 
regular heavy music. Like it didn't seem to matter that they were Christian to a lot of people. I'm sure some people really gave a fuck, but yeah, yeah. largely it seemed like it was, they got a pass. Um, so that's cool. I like hearing that. Zayo got a pass too. That's the other band that really, yeah. that where blood and fire bring rest in peace, that album, like, uh, changed my whole life. Like it, it, the way Dan's vocals were on that album, it was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then that, you know, dude, that's really what got me is I, I remember hearing or, or reading an interview with Dan and somebody asking him, like, how do you get your like, I've never heard vocals like that. Where, what is that? And then he was like, it's just I'm ripping off carcass. It's carcass vocals. And I was like, carcass. And then when I checked out carcass, it was like, holy shit, dude, this. Is... How, how did you do it? How did you check them out? Well, um, well, I'm 36. So. I got, I got the internet when I was like 12 or 13, mm -hmm. not a lot of people in my area. Cause I live rurally, um, had home computers, but my parents, for whatever reason, they were like, this is really important. We got to have a home PC. <laughs> so they got one, of, they got one of those and I was obsessed with it. And we, they used to send these like discs in the mail where you could get like free internet for a week sure. or something like yeah. that. So I would take advantage of that. And, uh, I don't know. I was just obsessed with music and finding new bands and stuff like that. So when he said the carcass thing, I checked it out on mp3.com or something like that. I don't remember. Right. And I was like, this is sick. So I asked for, um, heartwork for Christmas. Like I told my mom, it was like Christian band because I mean, it's got like the, it looks, I mean, it looks, you could, you know, it's got the peace symbol on there and yeah. everything and heartwork. It sounds kind of, so yeah, she got me that for Christmas along with a carcass back patch and, uh, yeah. I mean, I just, that album blew my mind. How long until they figured, figured out what was really going on? I don't know if they ever did. We, I used to go to a lot of hardcore shows. Yeah. Um, like I said, I lived rurally, but there was, um, there was like a little venue, um, about 30 minutes from me. And, um, they would have tons of hardcore bands cause hardcore was really big in new England at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd go there quite a bit and I would always tell them they were Christian bands or, or they had a positive message that was, you know, if they weren't right. Christian, if they had po positive message, meanwhile, they'd drop me off and it'd just be fucking beat down, you know, crazy <laughs> shit. But Dillinger escape plan. I saw them on the calculating infinity tour on this, at this venue. And it was like, that, that was another like pivotal moment for me where I was like, this is insane. This is how intense music can get. This is amazing. That's cool. I'm glad to hear that, that a lot of shows, we're happening up there. I was joking recently on the podcast. I, I played a band from Maine. I forget which one. Actually, I played a lot of bands from Maine recently. They kind of get on this thread where one reaches out and I play their track on the podcast and then they tell their friends or whatever. And now, yeah. and then like, so lately I've been getting a lot of bands from, it seems like Portland, Portland, Maine. Uh, one recently was Cadaverette, which is like a more of a noise, noise rock kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I forget who else it was, but anyway, um, I was wondering, cause I'm like, there are bands from Maine. I didn't know that. Yeah. A couple, and, and <laughs> a couple, like, like, I mean, hey, look, dude, they just, they just mailed me a record. I didn't even open it yet, but yeah. Westbrook, huh. Maine. Yeah. That so. suburb of Portland pretty much. Yeah. So, um, so that, that's kind of where I was going to go. There's a, I always thought not a lot going on in Maine. I always knew of hardcore bands like Outbreak. Yep. maybe or uh cruel hand what's that? Yep. cruel hands main right yep they are on the outside but those were all like bands built off of the same or like off of the same one outside of that i never really knew much coming from maine so 
Uh, tell me a little more about growing up in that scene. You, how did you end up in going to hardcore shows? Um, well, back then I didn't care what it was, man. If it was extreme yeah. in any way, it was, uh, I didn't really think about, you know, it has to be metal. It has to be death right. metal. It was just like, if it's extreme, then I, I'm all about it. And like I said, at that time, I just, hardcore, there was no metal. Metal wasn't around. I mean, if there was metal, it was like metal core, you know, like, yeah. like Unearth and stuff like that would come all up this way quite a bit. Um, so I don't know. I just, there was a lot of hardcore shows there and I was all about it. So I'd go any, any chance I could get. When did you start playing in bands? Oh, I started, um, I started numerous bands in high school. So <clears throat> I think the first band I started was probably 14. Um, that was, I don't know, terrible kind of, kind of metal, I guess. Um, then I did like an indie rock thing in high school, but we also like we were indie rock band, but we'd have like two grindcore songs. It was just because we thought it was like, oh yeah, this is a really throw people off if we close this set out with a grindcore song. Right. <laughs> uh, so stupid shit like that. I don't know, but I've mostly done solo stuff, man. I just, there's not a huge scene in Maine and like, it's just, it's such a large area that's so spread out that it's mm -hmm. like, if you do know somebody that's in the metal, they live two hours away from you. So it's like, it doesn't, doesn't make sense for practicing. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of went the solo route. I did, uh, did some black metal. I've, I had a funeral doom project for a while where I have a few LPs out and, um, Oh, I actually rapped for a little while. That was kind of yeah. embarrassing. I was like 18. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm really into rap now. <laughs> hey, you covered it all. Yeah. So how do you land on, uh, gore metal? Uh, that's, I mean, that's just my, one true love, my first love, you know, that's like, that's the beginning. So it's like, it all comes back to that. I was a vocalist in a couple of local death metal bands over the years here too. So, but it wasn't quite, it was like modern sounding. And I just always really liked the older shit, like the old carcass, the autopsy. So it was like for years, I, I have wanted to, to, to make my own old school death metal. But once again, I'm like, I can't find anybody who, who, who wants to do what I'm doing. So I'm going to do it alone again. <laughs> when did you learn to play on your own? Uh, I mean, like, uh, wh when did you start picking up instruments or how did you like, you know, cause obviously you can't just, you can't just play guitar and put out what you yeah. did with C. Uh, I mean, I started playing guitar when I was 12. Um, my parents got me one and, uh, took some lessons for a couple of years. Um, my instructor was super cool. He was, he was a Christian dude, but he'd let you bring in like your CDs and he'd listen to them by ear and tab them out. So he's like tabbing out living sacrifice and stuff like that for me. <laughs> MXPX, you know, shit like that. And, right. but I mean, and then when he started to like get into jazz with me, I was like, all right, I'm done. I quit. <laughs> I just want to play punk and metal. <laughs> it's the basics. It's all yeah. I need. Well, that's, I mean, that's, it's a, it's, would would you consider what you do a simplistic style of music? I know people have like certain, you know, names for it, but do you think it's easy music to play? I think it is. I think, I think yeah. seep is easy to play, man. I yeah. mean, I've, that's kind of always been my thing though. I don't, I'm not really into technical music. I mean, I'll listen yeah. to some, but I'm, I've just, it's never been my thing. I, I, I'm more into the songwriting aspect of it. Like I find like right. a lot of technical music is just kind of wanky and uh, I mean, not all of it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I like death and shit like that, but some of it just feels like it's technical to be technical. And I'm sure. just more about totally the song. Agree. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, and I, uh, 
I have always uh, contradicted myself when I say it, because I almost do exactly what you just did, where I say, I don't really like technical death metal, and I'm like, but I, I love death, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, and there's, there are certain technical death metal bands that I think are so fucking awesome. Oh, but, sure. Yeah. But largely that's not what I go for when I'm going to listen to some death metal. You know, I usually yeah. want some more old school, pretty basic, yeah. you know, aggressive stuff. I like, I mean, I like when stuff is raw too. Like it's like, it's almost like the band's playing at the very like cusp of their ability. Like I like that kind of stuff where you're like any second you could all fall apart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I don't know if you... that's a, I was just going to say, I don't know if that's like, like a hardcore or punk kind of thing. Just like, where it's just like, just super raw and just whatever. I do think, I do think it matters kind of which side you come from. Like if you come, if you, if you're finding extreme music from the, like, the, you know, I don't know what we say, like the radio side, like if you're just like progressively getting heavier, I don't know. Or if you're coming in from the punk hardcore side, like where that dingy, dirtier, shittier production is part of the sound. Right. Like you, you appreciate it a lot more yeah. where if you're coming from the other direction, it's like, why does it sound like shit? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I think it's supposed to. Well, me growing up on a lot of this Christian death metal, I don't think they had the biggest budgets. So like right. you, you'd get some albums where you're like, and it didn't matter to me. I didn't care. If as long as the dude was like, you know, gurgling, I'm like, oh yeah, this is sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, when, when did, uh, when did Seep actually kick off? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I would have to check the metal archives on that. I probably started it maybe three or four years ago. I don't know. I had the idea in my head for probably about five years and I started making, you know, little riffs and bits of songs and then finally put that first demo together. So that probably took me about a year with that together. So whenever that came out a year before that, so it's only yeah. been a few years. Right. That, yeah. That's kind of what I was getting to. And how, how did that go over first when, when, uh, when you put that demo together, because I don't, I don't know the chronological order of this, but you also have gurgling gore records Did that come first or seep. Um, technically seep came first and I kind of wanted to shop it around to some labels, but then I, I felt like, eh, I should probably self-release this, but I want to have a label behind it. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I should just make my own label. So that, that was really why I started gurgling gore. I was like, I need a label behind seep. And then maybe it'd be, it'd be cool to do some other stuff too. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, from, from there, what was the, what was the initial reaction that you got the initial feedback you got from that seep demo? It just continued to pile up, man. I just, uh, I was actually, you know, I was really stoked with how it came out. And I was really, but I was still kind of surprised that so many people seemed to enjoy it. I, yeah. I mean, I still get comments about it. It's, it's cool. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I mean, there's gotta be, I don't know. It's gotta, it's gotta kind of catch you off guard when people really do like something that you did, even if you think they should, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, even if you're, you think what you're doing is good. And even if you're right, it's still gotta be surprising. And uh, some, maybe sometimes over, not overwhelming, but you know, weird to have people, compliment and want more well yeah and, and especially like i had like people that i like 
have respected and admired for a while. Like I had right. severed records. He was like, Oh, I'll put it out on CD. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like this is a staple in the, you know, brutal death metal scene for decades. Yeah. And then, I mean, the big one for me was when I did a trade with uh, extremely rotten productions and he said he really liked the, David said he really liked the seep demo and was wondering what I was doing in the future. And I'm like, David from Frenolith and Undergang likes this demo. Wow, dude, that was like pretty surreal. Yeah, well, and that's where you ended up with this, uh, with Hymns of the Gore, right? Uh, Extremely Rotten Productions. They're based out of Denmark. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he that's said he how, loved the that's demo. how that relationship was established, I guess. Yeah, that's how it came about. I, I hit him up and asked if he wanted to carry some gurgling gore releases. And he said he was a fan of Seep. And I said, oh, um, I got an album that's almost done. So sent it to him and he was like, yeah, I'd love to put it out. That's awesome. I, you know, I didn't know who was behind that, um, that label because I'm not, I'm not that into this side, that side of death metal, but I do know Undergang. I know Undergang pretty well, actually. A guy that, uh, that lives somewhat near here put out one of their, one of their albums on a hardcore label, Get This Right Records. Didn't make much sense then. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. 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 Back like over a decade ago. Wow. Yeah. So tell me then about, well, here's one. I, I think, I think everybody, everybody that's a solo musician, solo artist, whatever has their own band probably gets the same question all the time. But when you're writing music for seep, how do you know when it's done? Yeah. Writing is kind of weird solo. Like it's just me every day picking up my guitar and riffing and recording myself when I get a really good riff where I'm like, Oh, that's a riff. And then yeah. I'll make another riff. And I'm like, so I have all these videos on my phone and I'll like play that one and that one and that one. And I'm like, Oh, that would transition nicely into that one. And, oh, here we got a song here. So it's, it's not as organic as like sitting in a room with a bunch of people, mm-hmm. but you get more control over it. I don't know how you know when a song's done now. Cause I just press record, start to piece stuff together. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's done when it feels done, I guess. <laughs> you never know how it's going to come together too. Cause like you're thinking of it in your head, but you don't have a drummer. Like I don't have a drum machine going while I'm, while I'm riffing. So I'm like, yeah. once you start bringing the drums in, you're like, Oh wow, this is taking on a totally different life. And do you do all the drums? Yeah. They're all programmed actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why I assumed. I just didn't know if, it, if you yourself were programmed. I mean, I know, I know it's a solo thing you're doing it, but I also see you had some, some people do some features on, uh, on hymns to the gore, but I, you know, so, but, but largely it's just you. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's mostly just me aside from those guest spots. Yeah. I have a, um, like I started out using doing sequencing and stuff when I got into hip hop when I was like 18 and uh, I'm using the same kind of software now just to program drums. Do you, do you program them so they're playable? No, like no. I don't think about that at all, man. I don't. I couldn't. I couldn't play drums to save my life, man. I'm terrible. That's um, funny. Yeah, you know, it's not ideal, but it's like it's again, it's like it's a necessity thing. It's like yeah. I feel like that's been my whole musical career or if you want to call it a career, it's just like, Oh, I don't have anybody around here to do this with. I guess I just got to figure out myself. So that's the recording. I record everything myself, you know, I'm in a, and it's size, you know, like a closet sized room recording my stuff and programming the drums and whatever. That's cool though. I mean, I, I, I admire it greatly. Um, especially the, the DIY approach, the, I, cause I think uh, a lot of people, 
talk about, think about the shit they want to do. And then they don't, they don't do them. <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't know what, what, you know, what certain hangups are. Um, I try to get rid of mine to do whatever I want to do with this, whatever I want to do with the website, whatever I want to do. Like, and like still like, I'm trying to think of things. Oh, that would be cool to do this. One of them is uh, some sort of label, which like you just pick up and, and do like with gurgling gore, which seems to be something that, um, from my vantage point has kind of took off for you. How, how, tell me about gurgling gore and how that has all gone. Yeah. I don't know if it's like just right place at the right time or, or what? Cause it's just started off super small doing like 50, you know, limited quantities of like 50 for the tapes and mm-hmm. just making, just networking with cool bands and cool people. And it's just kind of just gradually just, taken off more and more where it's and again that's that's a total solo thing too that's just me it's like from graphic design to you know press to packing the orders you know it's it's all me so it's it's a lot but it's rewarding yeah yeah i think it's i think it's very cool um the you mentioned the doing the graphic design and the like so you're doing you got the photoshop open you're making all the j cards all that shit Doing the J cards, doing the little video teasers every time we announce a release. Yeah, doing it all. That's very cool. Did you, is this all self taught stuff? Yeah. Yep, it is. Yeah. 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 Well, you mentioned your uh, IT guy. So I didn't know if any of that played. Yeah. No, that's what I wanted to do. I always wanted to be a graphic designer. Uh And I went, I was going to go to school for that when I lived in Nevada. And then I moved back home to Maine. And, there's there was no program in the area so it was like well i guess i'm just going to go into regular old computer information systems <laughs> boring shit pays the bills you know it's funny is I, I went to college for for printing like i was talking about before and that's basically what i do but i had uh, graphic design classes and i didn't give a shit about them cuz that's not what i wanted to do that's not the way i wanted to go with it and now yeah. i use it so much Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details for just this stuff that I wish I had like, and I'm trying to learn on the fly and I do. All right. You know, but it's, uh, it's like, damn, I wish I had, uh, took taken those classes seriously at the time. I, now I kind of wish that I, you know, I could take a class or, or two here and there just to hone the skills better because like I, it's self-taught. So it's like, I'm probably doing stuff way back ass words. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I think about that all the time with the things I do is like, I bet there's a way quicker, way quicker method to how I'm doing, you know, to, to get done what I want to do and uh, a cleaner way to do it too. But at the same time, learning and getting through it is, 
I don't know. It makes it more fun if it was yeah. all just because, you know, you get to a point and maybe, maybe, maybe you're not there with any other things you're doing, but you get to a point where it doesn't even, uh, it might not even seem like it's fun anymore. It's just like kind of what you do. Yeah. And it's like just part of the process and gets kind of boring. And so you know, I'm not there with, uh, I'm not there with graphic design. I like, that's one of my favorite parts of the, of the label is putting the J cards together and seeing it come into fruition visually. The part I hate is, is, is shipping orders. That's the part that sucks. <laughs> it which shouldn't suck. Cause you, you know, I'm like super stoked that I see all these people ordering and the same names and like total support. And then I'm like, Oh, I got to go down to the basement and ship orders. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, I mean, I get it too. I, I, until I figured out that you could just, until I figured out that I could have them picked up in my house. But before that, when I used to have to go to the post office oh. every time, oh, it was awful. And you know, you're in there with all these, it's always full of old people for some mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they take forever. You take forever because you got so much to send. And you know, it's a, it's a nightmare. I, uh, I was doing that at the beginning with gurgling gore. And finally, this postal clerk, I think she was just like so fucking sick of seeing me and scanning all my packages. She's like, she explained how I could do it like online and have the end of day form and have, you know, schedule mail pickups. And I was like, oh, oh I'll never she's set never foot done. in this post office ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the way to do it. Well, um, how many, how many releases are you up to now with Gurgling Gore? Um, I don't know how many we've got out right now. Like I'm doing J cards at the moment for a bunch of upcoming releases and we're into the fifties. So Damn, that's pretty I must, fast. I must have close to 50 out. So, yeah, that's pretty fast. That's a, that's a lot of, it's a lot of cassettes in a short amount of time. Yeah. 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 This year is going to be even crazier than last year. So that, that number is going to jump up really high. Do you get a lot of, do you get a lot of submissions from I get a decent amount of submissions. Um, it's mostly on my own. I do get some submissions, but not to be rude, but a lot of the submissions are terrible. So I just don't, a yep. lot of the times I don't even bother anymore <laughs> listening. I, I know you mean, and it's to me, I was talking, who was I? I was talking to Chris Wren, who runs Bridge Nine Records about this kind of, about how there's a weird, uh, just like a, a weird way to say like, you don't want to be a dick and just tell people like, this is, this is not good. Like, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but you, but you have to sometimes, you know, yeah. or else it keeps coming. So you got to kind of set a boundary and it's a tough thing to tough thing to do with, if you have a conscious, you know, my, my uh, fallback, because usually if I get one email and I ignore it and that's, that's it, then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to respond. But yeah. if somebody's is just like on me, on me, on me over and over again, then I'm finally like, uh, my release schedule is way overbooked. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have any time to consider this. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I, it's a, that's a, that's a similar one I've used to <laughs> wait till I have some time and then I'll look it over and then, you know, you can forget about it. Um, but so I asked you earlier, like what the kids think about, uh, basically your obsession with death metal, your heavy extreme music. What is the, what, what's the rest of your family? How does your, how does your wife, how does your, how do your parents, what does everybody look at this? Is it, does anybody look at it? Cause, and the reason I asked this is cause I feel like with extreme music, a lot of times, uh, siblings, parents, re- relatives look at it. Like it's silly. Like it's bullshit. And yeah. And like, it's a total waste of time and not worth it. Uh, do, 
any of that happening for you? Uh, my wife's super supportive of it. She's the one who, because I self-released a tape for another project before I started any of this. And it just went really well. And she and I was like, dude, I would love to start a label. She was like, do it. So she was like my biggest supporter from day one on that. She, I think she only wishes that I made some money off of it. You know, she's always <laughs> like, you're doing so much. Why, why are you not getting rich? I'm like, that's not how this works. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Parents, they, I don't, my parents don't even know that I, that I do this. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, but very cool too. I don't know. There's the you're keeping it keeping it really underground then, you know? But I <laughs> super underground, man. <laughs> Coworkers don't know. Nobody really knows. That's very impressive. I'm 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 jealous of that part. because uh, I get in a lot of conversations I don't feel like having sometimes about <laughs> I mean, my coworkers, they, they know I'm the metal guy. Like I don't hide that I'm in the metal. I don't, I'm not wearing right. polos to work anymore. I've worked at this place long enough where it's like, if I, I show up with death metal shirts, so they know I'm the death metal guy. They know I've been, they've seen some of my music videos from previous bands. So they know what I'm about, but I kind of keep this close to home. Cause I work from home. I don't want them to think that I'm like, you know, doing this second <laughs> job at home. Like, I don't even want that to be a thought. <laughs> Well, have they seen the awesome promo photos you got from, is that from Scott Kincaid? Is that the name? Yeah. 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 No, they haven't seen those ones. <laughs> you they probably, LinkedIn, they'd LinkedIn probably be all right with them. <laughs> that was tell, kind of tell a cool me about story. That photo shoot. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. that thing. Uh, Scott, he, um, he ordered like a cassette or patches or something. And I sent it to him and then he, I got an email from him a couple weeks later and he was like, I noticed your address is right next to where I've been vacationing for like the last 15 or 20 years. Oh, so wow. I live in the middle of nowhere, but it's in the summertime. We get a lot of people to come up here to summer camps. Mm -hmm. So there's some camps nearby. So um, he was, he's like, I'm a photographer. I've photographed dying fetus and, mm -hmm. you know, gave me this list of bands and I'd, it'd be cool to do something with you. I'm like, fuck Yeah. So the next time he came, we, he's like, you got any ideas? And I'm like, I'd made a bunch of fake blood and I'm like, there's a graveyard here in the woods, or I've got an old abandoned foundation we can walk out to. So we just went out there and did a little photo shoot. And it was, it's kind of weird. Cause he's like super, he's like a, he's a professional man. Like, yeah, like he, he, he does that for a living. And so he's like getting all into it. Like I felt like a goddamn model, man. <laughs> the way he's talking. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like really come around the corner. Like she's on the ground and you're about to like throw the last final blow. Like, she's like just <laughs> telling this whole story as he photographs me. I'm like, it was wild. Super fun though. Well, for, for, uh, for people who be listening who haven't seen them, they should check out the photos. Cause you're, you're, you mentioned the blood, but you're covered pretty much head to toe in blood and holding a big ax. Right. Yeah. The blood thing's always been my thing, man. Like, uh, like when I was like 19, I started this, this solo cyber grindcore project. And my thing was to make up like a huge thing of blood and pour it over my head and then just like convulse on, on the stage with strobe lights. So like, I've always been known in like the area as being the guy who always brings the blood to the shows. <laughs> the blood guy. What is, how do you make the blood? You don't got to tell your secret if you got a secret, but, uh, just out of curiosity. It's usually, it's mostly like corn syrup, um, a little bit of chocolate syrup just to give it a little darker color, lots of food coloring, <laughs> sometimes cornstarch. 
don't know. That's funny. It's pretty bad, dude. Pouring it over your face. Like I, I had this show once that I played and I had, I poured it over my face and then it started to like harden and my eyes sealed shut like halfway through our set. <laughs> oh, it was bad, dude. I could not see for half of our show. Yikes. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's worth it though. So it's, it's a cool I think look, so. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Venue owners didn't like it. No, of course not. But you know, at least it wasn't real stuff. Yeah. Uh, right. It's not like that happen a few something. times. Yeah. That was, that, that was going to be my example. I've seen that happen. And, uh, they don't like, they especially don't like that. Uh, and it smells, it smells terribly. Yeah. Uh, I remember I went to go see, it was Watain Behemoth, Devil's Blood. It was the first Decibel tour. I remember that. It was the first Decibel tour. It was the, they were the headline, or Watain wasn't the headlines, Behemoth was, whatever, whatever. Watain was on it. And a friend of mine was doing uh, merch for him or whatever was on their tour. So we went backstage and it stank so bad that there was like, <laughs> there was, incense i don't know who did it but like jammed all along the hallway like everywhere to just try and keep the smell down from <laughs> these gross people and their buckets of blood but uh yeah i never a, quite understood how they were able to get away with that like i don't think they do anymore i don't think yeah and the people know they're on to the their ways yeah <laughs> but i just i'm like isn't there some sort of like guarantee that you don't destroy the venue or, or cause damage or I don't know. I always wondered how that worked. Yeah. I don't know, but it was like, uh, uh that band, uh, was it bad luck? Bad luck 13, right? Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Well, know. they played, uh, different spots, you know, yeah. they played, yeah. they were playing, they were playing, uh, there was places like a place in Baltimore cafe tattoo, uh, or, you know, a place in Philly or Mojo 13 or like they, they would play places that uh, it was in Delaware. Um, fire halls you know those yeah. type of hardcore shows the one i mean the last the last big one i was at was the for them was the hellfest 2004 where that was like i mean there's a big dvd there's a dvd of it and everything probably, yeah. probably on youtube somewhere but that did that got the whole thing shut down wow um, and, and then, you know what i should have asked actually i should have asked uh dino from fear factory that the other day because they were supposed to go on after him and I left thinking the whole thing was shut down. I should have asked him if they got to play that night. Yeah. I'd be pissed <laughs> if I wasn't able to play. Yeah. As long as you could get paid. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I guess but, so. Yeah. <laughs> for a band their size. But, um, but anyway, so, uh, so, so hymns to the gore. Let's talk a little bit about that. That came out was midsummer of yeah. 2022. Yep. On extremely rotten productions. I think they did all formats, right? Yeah, they did. They did uh CD tape and vinyl. And then, uh, I did a special edition through gurgling gore of the tape. How did that go over? What, what were, what were reviews for hymns to the gore? Uh, the reviews were pretty fucking terrible, man. <laughs> it kind of sucked <laughs> to put so much time and effort and work so hard on that. And then, uh, some of the critics reviews were just so so brutal they were like oh, one no. out of five stars like <laughs> you know this is ignorant pretty much uh but at the same time i kept telling myself man this is not for these type of people to be honest with you if if opeth is your favorite band then you're not gonna like seep that's not true because opeth might be my favorite band oh really There's in fact a whole opeth <laughs> shelf right behind me all right i'm wrong man 
<laughs> I love OPEP and I like SEEP, but, uh, but I do understand what you mean. Um, I feel like if you're putting on SEEP, you, you got to kind of know what you're putting on, right? Yeah. And I mean, it didn't hurt my feelings that much anyways, because like some of my favorite bands and albums are just have shit reviews, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then you think back to like, like old movies, like the thing and stuff like that, where it was just like panned by critics when they first came out. And now everybody's like, Oh, it's the best. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, fuck them critics. <laughs> That's right. Hey man, I love Waterworld, And they told us that it was bad. And I think that movie <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> I got to revisit that. I have not seen that since I was young. Oh, I just remember I used to rewatch it over and over on a, on a, on a, you know, a, v, a VHS tape that was like, Recorded off the TV. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. Just, just to watch it, commercials and all. <laughs> but so, so reviews aside, how was it, uh, how was it received by the people who actually listen to the music? Oh, I've got tons of great feedback. I had a lot of people telling me that it was their favorite album this year. And just, I don't know, just tons of positive emails and messages. And, you know, that's what it's all about for me. And then just, I mean, I'm, I've been selling it every week since the summer, you know, so right. people are buying it. How much, how, how big was the pressing? He did, I want to say he did 500 of LPs, 500 CDs. I don't know that's how many decent tapes. Size. Yeah, yeah. That's a decent size for, for anything now. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, is it still available on record? I don't have any vinyl copies uh, here in, in the gurgling gourd distro, but I extremely rotten still has copies of the black variant of, of the vinyl. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, tell me about the, the art for it. How do you get, how do you do, how does that, what is it? Was that, is that something you, you did? I didn't do that. That was, um, Joe at nightmare imagery. Um, he's, uh, he's an illustrator. He did like, he did the first Sanguasuga bog album mm -hmm. art. Um, I don't know. I just really like his illustrations. They got like super old school death metal vibe. So I knew I wanted him to do the artwork. So I hit him up about it early. And then he was like, Hey, I'm getting into sculpturing. And would you be interested in if, if I did that for this album? And I was like, oh, that'd be fucking, that'd be even cooler, man. We could do like some <laughs> practical effects kind of shit. So I was like, well, I'm thinking like exhumed gore metal, like, mm -hmm. you know, like a serial killer's kitchen kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That's the total vibe I get. Yeah. 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 So that's what kind of what I told him. And he's like, well, I have a friend who's, who knows of this abandoned house. We'll break in there and we'll set up this whole scene. So <laughs> he spent like months, man, sculpting all those pieces. And, and then they went into that abandoned house and set up the scene and took some photos of it. That's very cool. That's very cool. I've only seen it on, on the screen, but I imagine it looks pretty, uh, pretty awesome on a 12 inch. You know, oh yeah, dude! It looks so sick on there. You can see all the details. <laughs> and the cool thing is, too, when we did the special edition cassette for Gurgling Gore, he, uh, Joe Nightmare Imagery, he crafted up thirty of the uh, the eyeballs that mm -hmm. he did for the cover. Oh, I saw he that. Made, yeah, 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 yeah. So people got one of those. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, was that the first time you've uh, experimented with doing like special edition releases with Gurgling Gore? I think that was, yeah, I think that was it. And then I did the mutilation barbecue special thing where we, where I uh, hand painted a bunch of barbecue aprons with blood. 
So, but dude, we, I did, I did, that was way too much work. Like yeah. I used to be all about that super like DIY kind of stuff, but it's like, I'm, I'm one guy and this is way too much to do that and do everything else. Yeah. One guy with, with a, with a whole family too. Exactly. And a normal job. And yeah, no, I, I get it. Well, how, how important is the, oh, I guess you would call it like the black humor aspect of not only just seat, but like gore metal in general. You know, it's funny because I always say that I don't like humor in music. Like I, I do, I say the same thing. Like, yeah. And I don't, I like, but there's like a fine line that you cross, you know, like if it's still sort of disturbing, like it could go either way and then I'll like it. But if it's like, just like some of this, like some of the gore grind stuff, it, like especially the European gore grind stuff, like it's just too silly with the poop stuff. and. I don't know. It's gotta be it's gotta be kind of gross and violent still. And maybe if you're really sick, you think it's funny, but I don't like when stuff's like too over the top funny. Yeah, the, I I, uh, I was listening to a grind band recently. I, I won't call them out because the guys are in other bands that I do like. But um, and it was just it was too goofy for me. It's too. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's what you're talking about. I mean, maybe it's not even what you're talking about. Cause it wasn't like over the line. It was just like, so, I don't know. So corny and stupid. And it's, there's so many bands. There's not so many, there's a few bands that I mostly will like, but then they do stuff that's like silly yeah. in the music. And, and then yeah. uh, it like ruins the whole thing for me. It's like, if you wouldn't have these silly parts, it, I think the whole thing would be cool, but it like, <laughs> I remember that it's like even like remember like a band like skinless like super brutal heavy death metal and then they'd throw in like some like comedic sample Mm -hmm. in the middle of a song or before a song and be like ah why do you have to do that (laughs) (laughs) well do you get you have samples on this right which is very common in this type of death metal but tell me about acquiring those or finding those samples how what's that process like um there's two actual samples and then the rest is like i I made them up myself okay Uh, so like the first the the album opener and that's just that's from an autopsy video like a a real autopsy video i'm like well let me see what we can find in an autopsy video and it was like (laughs) it was like one of those educational autopsy videos from like the 70s that were like they were trying to get kids to like pay attention when they drive, I think is the point of it. <laughs> so like, I can't remember the exact verbiage actually. I should, well, I'm not like, familiar with any autopsy videos. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had some, I watched a couple really gross ones, um, but yeah, I didn't end up using anything just disturbed myself. <laughs> uh, and then the other one, um, uh, did one before, um, pedophile genitalia removal. That's yeah. a sample. I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name, but it, it was a guy in Alaska who looked up, um, pedophiles on some list, went to their house and like beat their faces in, and then he went to jail for it. So I sampled him an interview with him from jail. That's yeah. That's that, uh, that, uh, that type of sample will go over well with anybody, you know, like what yeah. he says is just like, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's so the one the, serious song on the, on the album. That's the only one that has like serious lyrics, I guess. 
yeah, has a message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's established right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, the the beginning of uh, gorging on the gut pilot. Is that something you made? Yeah, that's something I made. I, I wrote it out. Yep. And then recorded myself. I, I thought that might be the case because of it, the specific location. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. There's a, there's a, somebody gutting people and uh, eating them in Portland, Maine, where it is, you know. Yeah, that doesn't happen in Maine. I had to make that up. <laughs> it could happen in Maine. I guess you know, it could. Just, just wait it out. It's, your time is coming. Um, so, mentioned some of the like the negative negative reviews uh is there anything like positive you took from negative reviews or comments is there is there anything that like you took constructively if i'm being honest no (laughs) good be honest i was i when i finished the album i already knew some things i wish i had done differently myself that i would like i'm gonna do this on like if all the songs kind of maybe flow a little too much together, um, maybe some of the riffs are too similar, that kind of thing, you know? So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make yeah. sure on the next one, I don't, I don't make these same mistakes, but some, no, some of the reviews, I don't find them very constructive. Like I don't know where they're coming at, you know, like what are they listening to that they really like and what are they comparing this to? Sure, like, yeah. and when somebody says this is just like a mortician rip or something like that, it's like, dude, this is, uh, this sounds nothing like Mortician and Mortician's not even an influence for this project. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what would you say are the influences, the direct influences for, for Seep? Uh, in the beginning, I said it was, uh, it was autopsy and cyanide. Those were the the two big ones. And then before the, before this, before I started writing hymns to the gore, I was just, I was listening to a lot of brutal death metal. So mm-hmm. that kind of found its way into some of the riffing styles, but I still kept the tempos pretty slow. So, yeah. but, uh, so that was like probably despondency. Uh, I was listening to them a lot. So that's just like the pinch harmonics found their way into a lot of the riffs and then gore grind, a lot of gore grind influence too. So. Now I, I, I genuinely do think it's a cool record. I like the sound. I like the simplicity of it. Um, and I don't like all death metal. I, well, that's not true. I don't know. I, I like, like I was saying before, I'm going to contradict myself when I talk about it. Like, but like there's yeah. something about it that I like, and I don't, I, I don't know if maybe it's the, like it, it's the doomier aspects of it that I wasn't expecting out of it. That's, that's in there. The, the, the slow, the, the tempo that you mentioned um, is, is something that I, that I really gravitated to on hymns to the gore and why I came back to it. And uh, I think it's fun. I think it's a fun record. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going for, man. Yeah, fun. Good. Good. Well, so obviously being a solo project, and it doesn't sound like you have any plans for it, but Seep, is is there any live iteration of Seep that will ever exist? I won't rule it out. I I would love to. I mean, I don't want to do... I'm not a road dog. I don't want to do a bunch of tours or anything like that, but I would love to be able to have the opportunity to like, oh, when there's some little fest that that David's putting on in, in Denmark, it's all a bunch of death metal bands. I mean, it'd be sick to be able to say, Hey, I've got a band and I can fly over there and let's do a couple one-offs. That will be, cool. but, uh, it's finding people. It's not just, not just people that are into the same kind of music that would be willing to do that, but people that are like-minded it's, and I'm a dad, I'm, I'm a yeah. dad with a real job. Like 
I don't have time to waste time. And I found that when I was in bands previously, a lot of people that are single and don't have kids, they have more time to waste. So I would have to find the right people. (laughs) I'm laughing because I know exactly what you're talking about. And, uh, it's, that's, that becomes the currency, right? Is the time. Yeah. That's, that's the stuff that, um, you know, if I, if I go to see something, if I go to do something, one, one of the big things, if I like, you know, how I checked in with you ahead of time, if you were, if you're still good for this. Yeah. If I come to sit down here to do this and the person doesn't show up, I get so pissed off because if, cause it fucks up. Like, uh, you know, like right now my wife went off to do her thing because I'm doing this, Yeah, you know, or, or stepdaughter's doing whatever she's doing. Like it's, or I could be doing something with them. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, so right. I already established a thing like, oh, here's what I'm going to do with my time. And if that time gets fucked up by somebody other than me, <laughs> like I got an hour, you know? And, oh uh, yeah, dude. I feel you hundred percent. I mean, I remember being in bands and you know, I had kids young, so I remember being in bands while I had kids and showing up to practice on time and then mm-hmm. nobody's there waiting for an hour, two hours. Oh, they finally show up. Oh, Hey man, sorry. You grabbed a couple of drinks and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I could be at home right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that had, that had to be some of the inspiration beside behind uh, doing a solo, right? Yeah. And you know, initially it was, I didn't intend for it to be a solo project. I was jamming with a friend and I intended to make it a full band. Um, Cause I lied. There are a couple of coworkers that know what I do and they love what I do and support me. So, yeah. And we were going to do something together. And, and then I just said, you know what? I'm just doing it myself. I have a specific yeah. vision of what I want and I don't want to compromise <laughs> any of it for the songwriting, you know? Absolutely. Well, uh, having said that then what is next for seep? Maybe not in 2023 or 2023 or just going forward. What, what do you, what do you see happening in the, near future for seep um i have uh the next release that i'm doing is is um in january actually of this oh. year i've got a uh, split with stench collector um that When's i'm that putting from? out that drops january 27th okay not that long yeah gurgling gore and 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 dawn breed records will be putting it out as a co-release on cassette and later this year on seven inch vinyl Awesome. What, how are, how are production times looking right now for, I know cassettes are quick, right? Cassettes are super quick at, at like the start of COVID and like mid COVID they were, it was brutal waiting for them, but they're like, they're like three or four weeks now. It's super quick. Yeah. Um, vinyl, I guess it depends who you use. I'm going with Don breed who he uses over there in the Netherlands. And, um, it's like, it's like eight months to a year for a turnaround. Yeah. But, he has a good relationship with them. So it's no money down. So it's like, all right, I'll wait. Like right, I wouldn't right. want to put money down and then wait six months. Like, cause then you're in the hole for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. That's, that's uh, very cool to, to have something new already. Is that the type of pace you plan to keep up? Yeah, I've already got, um, I've got another EP written. So I'll probably take some time off this winter and, uh, record it and and then it probably won't come out for a year and a half two years because that's just how it goes it's just (laughs) slow getting all the pieces together so right 
All right. Well, in the meantime, you got, you mentioned you have a lot of stuff going on with gurgling gore. Obviously you got the family the job, keeping yourself very busy up there. Uh, I think what you're doing is super cool. I'm jealous of some of it. Uh, it seems like a lot of other people like it too. So thank you for contributing what you are contributing. Cause I think we always need people in the underground music, whatever genre, I don't give a fuck what genre it is and just doing stuff like this. Yeah. And it seems like they come and go without any sort of notice. I'm glad you're here doing seep and gurgling gore. And that's my intention, man, at least with gurgling gore to just keep on keeping on, man. Even if, uh, even if people decide death metal is not cool again for a little while, I'm just going to come back. I'll keep plowing through, man. (laughs) I'm here for life.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Vomitus of Seep. The song you just heard was Rancid Morbidity off of Hymns to the Gore, available now everywhere, but especially through Extremely Rotten Productions. They still got vinyl. I checked. I need to grab it. But there is no more available domestically that I found. So you're going to have to get it from overseas. How? I don't know how. I mean, I know how. You use the internet. But anyway, I want to thank Vomitus for coming on and having a chat with me a while back. I played the song Jigsaw Face Fuck, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And I got a good response from actually playing that song, that track on Getting It Out podcast. Turns out a lot of gore-obsessed old school death metal fans enjoy Getting It Out podcast. So I'm happy to bring this episode of Seep with Vomitus to you today and to play a couple tracks from Gurgling Gore Records as we did and are going to do. Anyway, you should go over to gettingitout.net if you like death metal. Rick just put up a review for Ominous Scriptures Rituals of Self-Ignition, which drops on Willowtip Records next week, January 27th. So go read about that before it drops. Check it out. Know what to expect. Very cool, very heavy death metal from Belarus. But go get more information at gettingitout.net. I also wanted to point out that I started keeping track of tour and festival announcements on the website. I can't keep up with that. I can't keep up with that uh, day to day, I should say. So I decided each Thursday I'm going to release a post that includes all the fest and tour announcements that I have seen and gathered up for the week. There should be ticket links to buy if they're available. Uh, why Thursday though? Because most tickets when a tour is announced, uh, say Monday, will have a note in there that tickets go on sale Friday, 10 a.m. local time, Friday, 12 p.m. local time. So this way you can have 24 hours to clear your schedules and make sure you didn't miss something that got announced. And uh, this is the place to look. A comprehensive list I'd recommend viewing on a computer instead of on your phone. It's long. There's some spacing issues for now, but I'll figure that all out as I have with the website and the podcast. And that's why I thank you for your patience and playing along with me after all these years. I suppose that's going to be it for this one. But first, I want to end it with a track from Moiskiss. It's called Formidable Stygian Prison, and it's off of their new release, Idiomorphic Practices, which is their new album and will be out next month, February. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.